be sown in, in fertile soil and that you, O Holy Spirit, would cause it to grow. We need you this morning. We ask that you would be merciful to us, O God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, definitely, um, uh, so the kids, if at this time you can go ahead and uh, rise up and you will follow Sister Stephanie there. Sister Stephanie, can you wave both hands? There you go. All right, so definitely it's uh, good to see the little little kiddos going next door and, and enjoying the time um, with each other. Uh, so <clears throat> we have been going through a sermon series which now we with with which we ended last Sunday. Um, and that sermon series was exploring the God man Jesus and and in that we were uh, coming to understand a little bit more about Jesus' humanity, you know, the stuff that he did, how he engaged with the people, how, um, you know, he went out of his way to, to reach the lost. And so uh, we're beginning today, we're, we're setting the course off for, for 2016. So 2015 is already out the window. It's already behind us. Everything that went on in 2015, our trials, our tribulations, our struggles is behind us now. So 2016, we're starting on a new course. And so uh, I want us to really dive into what the Bible teaches us that, that Jesus did when he began uh, the ministry with his disciples. And, and so I want us to look into that so that we can be not only read it, but be captured by what Jesus did. And so that that can help realign the affections of our hearts and the attention of our mind to be set on Jesus and his mission for the church. And so as we see this, we, we say for uh, the church, most of the time we think of the church as a building or a location uh, like these four walls, but when we look at Scripture, the church is the people of God, the people of God coming together, the people of God living on mission together. And so what we see here then that, that as Jesus was gathering the disciples, we're going to read how he then sends them off and they become a, a contagious fire, spreading the gospel of Jesus everywhere they were sent off to. And my prayer is that the grace of God will work so deeply in our hearts that we would be compelled to do the same. That as we go back into our daily lives, that we can live for the glory of God, that we can be agents of change here on earth. And so I truly believe that uh, we as the church... And again, I'm not referring to the building, but the people have the hope that the world needs. We have the message of the gospel. And so I believe that God has equipped his church to bring about a renewal both uh, spiritually and physically. And so we are discipling and equipping the followers of Jesus and unleashing them back into the daily lives, into the rhythms of our lives, wherever we're at, wherever life exists, that we can bring about the transforming power of the gospel into our worlds so that we can uh, be an example of what it looks like to be a, a lover of God amongst the people. And so what we see then in this part of the text that Jesus is our example in how he invested of himself into the disciples' lives. And then he unleashed them. And the Bible says that they turned the world upside down. And so that in itself, it's enough fire in our hearts, family, so that we can be able to go out there. So as we read Matthew chapter 4, we are going to look at several pieces of what Jesus was doing here with his disciples. So let us go ahead and start off. In uh, verse 18, what we see is that, that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, in other words, Jesus is just, he was just walking through. 
He was not putting together anything to, to draw people. He was walking through a daily rhythm of his life. He was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and in this process, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew. So it's Simon and Andrew. And what they were doing was that they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So the observation that we're making here in the text is that he saw two brothers as he was walking through, but he found them in their workplace. He found them in the regular rhythms of their life. Jesus stepped into the busyness of their life. Jesus didn't wait for them to come to church. Jesus didn't wait for them to come into a a building or back then it was called a synagogue. Jesus went to the people. Jesus met them where they were at. And it says that they were fishermen. When we look at the text, it says that they were fishermen. This is their identity according to their world standards. This is their livelihood. They were casting nets. This was their means of of making a living. So this net was essential for them. This net that they was casting meant a lot to them. Because if they wouldn't cast their nets, how are they going to bring butter to the bread, right? How are they going to bring food to the table? So they depended upon the net, their livelihood. So they were fishermen. Now... This was valuable to them because it was in connection to who they were. They were fishermen, so their identity is is found in in who they were. And their priority here is is also important to them because this is what they did for, for a living. So now, what we see Jesus doing, though, he says this. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus' call, an invitation to follow Jesus. It was a radical transformation that would take place when you will follow Jesus. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Peter and Andrew, their livelihood was fishing for fish, not fishing for men. So, It's important that we understand what's taking place here because what Jesus is calling them to do is sacrifice everything for the sake of following him. Now, Jesus invited them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So, To follow Jesus meant that their identity and their priorities would radically be transformed. An invitation to a life of discipleship. It was not just a a one-day thing. He was inviting them to a life of discipleship. The great commission that Jesus gives in Matthew 28 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And here we see that Jesus is saying, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So what Jesus is saying is that I'm going to disciple you. I am going to disciple you. And I will make you a fisher of men. So we see here that discipleship is essential in following Jesus. So to follow Jesus is to become a disciple. To enter into a life of discipleship where we are learning to follow Jesus wherever we go. So discipleship, see it this way, is the process by which gold goes into the furnace. And it is being purified. So discipleship is is walking with Jesus and we are being purified where the hands of the master are forming us, shaping us. He is investing of himself into our lives. So discipleship, an essential component of 
following Jesus. But look at what happens in verse 20. Verse 20 says, immediately they left their nets. The response that they had to the invitation of Jesus was immediately. It didn't say that they were thinking about it. It didn't say that they were conversating. Let me flip a coin or, or let me, let's, you know, let's do the, the, what do you call the scissors? Paper, rock, scissors. stuff. They weren't thinking about it. They immediately responded. Think about this. Because this is what they valued. Their, 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 their fishing, their net, this is what they valued. This is what was most important to them. This is where they found their worth and their security in. As fishermen. And Jesus wasn't giving them a 401k plan to follow him. Jesus wasn't saying, you're going to have a good insurance plan when you follow me. As a matter of fact, it might cost your life. Man, Jesus, I didn't read the fine print. So, what they relied on for, for their hope, for their livelihood, became secondary in comparison to Jesus. You see... Jesus didn't force them. Jesus invited them in. Peter and Andrew must have considered Jesus truly to be of greater importance than their own lives. Because they needed their nets in order for them to live. Think about it. But. What we see here is that they left it all to follow Jesus. The response to Jesus' invitation meant that both their identity and priorities had changed. Now their new identity was followers of Jesus. The moment they left their nets meant that they also left their old life behind. They were called out of. And called to a life of discipleship. So followers of Jesus are the called out ones. We are called out from this world and called to a life of discipleship. And so we see it in the lives of Peter and Andrew. Their identity changes. They were fishermen. They became followers of Jesus. Their priorities changed. They were Fishing for fish, now they were fishing for men. So today, the gospel radically transforms our identities and changes our priorities. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. That word called. It's kaleo. It is the divine call of God by where he draws you unto his son so that you would believe in him. So that you would enjoy this sweet fellowship with the Savior. And so he's saying, you were called into fellowship with Jesus. So now in this fellowship with Jesus, you are identified not as your own, but as one who is in union with Christ. Romans 1.6 says, including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. Again, the word called, kaleo, you were called to belong to Jesus. Family, hear what I'm saying here. That you and I were called to belong to someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. We're no longer gripped by the claws of the enemy. That's been broken in Jesus' name. And now we belong to him. Our identities change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new 
creation. The old has passed away and the new, behold, the new has come. So the old has passed away, family. So to be in Christ means that now we are sharing in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we live in a completely different relationship to God. Before we were enemies of God. And now we are children of God. So Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are the foundation for our new gospel-centered life. So that is, dying with Christ means then we're finding no life in the things that we used to have our lives run by. So the things that used to dominate us, no longer we give attention to. Say, no, 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 no. That's not what I need. I used to believe I needed that. I need Jesus now. Our priorities begin to change. We live under a new rule serving the true king, which is Jesus. So Christ calls us to do everything for his glory. Before coming to Christ, our identity was dominated by our own concerns for worth, value, success, rather than loving God and loving his people. We were seeking to do our own. But when Christ comes into the picture, everything changes. And we see this in Peter and Andrew's life. Now Peter and Andrew begin to walk closely with Jesus. This is what we see them doing. In verse 21, it says this, And going on from there, he saw Two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. I I want you to see something here, family, that Jesus called Andrew and Peter, and they're following him. They were walking with him. So as they're walking with him, what is Jesus doing next? He's inviting other people to follow. The invitation then to to Peter and Andrew was to come and see. Come and see. They're being invited to see the life of Jesus. As they're walking with Jesus, they're seeing the life of Jesus here. So it's very important that we see this family. Because Jesus now invited them into the rhythms of his life. Come and my life. This created community. So what we see here is discipleship will create community. To follow Jesus is to be in community with Jesus. To be in fellowship with the Savior and his people. So discipleship also meant to be on Mission with Jesus. Discipleship was not just on one day when we get together, but we're living life together. We're breaking bread with one another. You know my struggles, and I know yours. You're praying for me, and I'm praying for you. This is the essential part of community. So discipleship family is being with one another. I know that sometimes we ruffle one another's feathers, but that's part of life. We're learning to love each other. We're learning to sacrifice for each other. We're learning how to pray for each other, to be in the trenches for one another. Man, I tell you that this life comes with all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, we start off the year praying in in the year and everything. All right, Lord. And all of a sudden. Something come, not knocking at our door, but kicking our door down. All of a sudden, my wife, which I thank the Lord that she's here today. Something happens to her. Something that usually people that experience that or go through that wouldn't have survived it. Go off to the hospital, all of a sudden... 
life changes. Everything. You weren't expecting this. This was not in the manual. What to do next? The only thing we knew is cry out to God. Cry out to the Lord. There's nowhere else that we can run to but to Jesus. No other arms do we want to rest in but the arms of the Savior. And in those moments, family, the only comfort that comes strongly is the comfort of God through his people. Through his people. And this is what we see the disciples doing. They're living with Jesus, living life with one another, investing into each other. They were looking to Jesus as Jesus was fulfilling what the Father had called them to do, to seek and save the lost. So what we see in discipleship family is they live life on life. They live life in community, and they live life on mission. So today that means that we allow people into our lives. Discipleship then is saying that you allow people to see your ups and downs, not only when you paint a pretty picture. It's not about seeing how perfect we are, because I think right now I'm jacked up, right, baby? I'm jacked up from the floor up. I ain't perfect, but my Jesus is perfect. And that's what we're reminding each other. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you look to the defects of other people, you're going to stay there. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And so this is what we're doing in discipleship family. We're inviting people into our lives. Both the the teacher and the disciple are getting to know one another. And they're celebrating victories. And they're praying through moments of sorrow. And in moments of hardship, they're on their knees with one another. Not that the teacher now will have it all together. No. We're far away from that. If anyone has it together, it's Jesus. And that's why we are encouraging each other as we invite each other into community. Discipleship then, family, is not just, uh, you know, we get together on Sunday morning and, and, you know, have a little hour of discipleship and that's it. We go back into our daily lives and sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and, and all is fine and dandy. The Christian life, I tell you, it's filled with hardship. It's filled with struggles. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to go through moments where we feel betrayed by someone. And we're going to go through moments where what's happening is out of your control and you cannot do nothing about it. Like when the doctor comes in and he says, this is what we see right now going on. To know that I'm looking at my wife and there's no expression, no words to give. The doctor giving us bad news and we're like, whoa. They take her in. And all I could do is go to the scriptures. And be reminded about my God. And be comforted by his word. Be able to stand upon the promises of God because I'm not going to rely on man's opinion. I'm going to rely upon the promises of God because at the end of the day, he who has the last word is God, not us. And today, I mean, we could shout for joy. Hallelujah. Because today I have my wife here. I'm telling you, family, without God in our lives, we would be lost. We would be in a long state of misery. 
It's not till God steps into our lives and he rocks our world. He turns us inside out and we become followers of Jesus. And this is what we're seeing, that Jesus invited them into his life. And they began to walk with him. And they began to see how Jesus was inviting other people. And we see here that it says, and going on there, he saw these two brothers and he called them James and, and John. And they were, they were also with, with their father, but he's calling them to follow him. And the rest of the, the other two disciples are seeing this. And we're seeing that he's inviting more people into community with him, family. I'm telling you that. An important part of our Christian journey is this community of believers that God places us in. It's important because in here is where encouragement takes place. We see authentic relationships being made. We're serving one another. We're bearing each other's burdens. We're we're putting up with each other. We're forgiving each other in this Christian community because Jesus and his cross is the center. It is the center of our relationships. You see, God uses each other to help us grow. Relationships are messy, right? Ain't no perfect relationship. Man, man, for real. We can get in each other's nerves, right? I'm just keeping it 100, like for real. But it is the gospel's power that tears down those dividing barriers. And he calls us into one. And it is what Jesus says, how will the world know that you're my disciples? It's not by the way we serve. It's not by the way we evangelize. It's not by the way we, you know, put up the church all together. It is by the way we love one another. When we put the love of Jesus on display, that's what we're called to do. Man, it's hard, huh? It ain't easy. But the gospel at work and the grace of God working in us, it is possible. Possible. There's a guy by the name of Paul Tripp. He says this, without a community we are prone to listen to our lies and buy into our own delusions. So it is important that we find trusted brothers and sisters in the faith who can listen to our struggles and walk with us. Hey, man, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing we can share with each other that's going to stumble us like, whoa, what you do? Man, we got all kind of junk in our trunk. But Jesus already came through, and he said it's been paid for. Grace is sufficient. Grace is sufficient. Our hearts are liberated. Now we can come to one another and say, bro, you know what? I've been struggling with this. Man, let me pray with you. Let's go into the scriptures. Let's go into the word of God. You see, so much of what we've seen in the church It's like we got to put up a a, a front that that we got it together and we got all kind of junk in our heart tearing us apart. And the enemy just fanning that and we're not wanting to say nothing because people are going to judge us and what they're going to say. But I tell you that the judgment already fell upon Jesus. We've been liberated from that. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. We've been justified by what Christ has done, not by what we do or don't do. That liberates our hearts, family. And then we can come to one another and be able to grow with each other. So when we have like home groups, you know, that's why we have home groups. We invite people in because, uh, Christianity is not just about getting together on a Sunday morning. Throughout the week, we're enjoying each other's lives. 
We're investing into each other. We're celebrating each other's victories, family, and, and, and we're, we're living life with one another, and we're having a meal together and, you know, cooked little fajitas or, or maybe some shrimp like we did last year or some crawfish. I mean, I mean, we're coming together and having a feast because God has been so good to us. God has been so good to us. So what we take notice here is that, that uh, John and, and James, they begin to follow Andrew and, and, and Peter and Jesus. And look at what happens. It says that, that as they were with their father and they were mending their nets, notice they were at their job also. They were at their place of, of vocation. Jesus invites them. This was their identity here. This was what they were used to doing. And, and Jesus calls them out to follow him. So they left their boat. They left their net. They left what they depended on. And they left the relationship they also had with their father. Not left it for good. But this is what he's saying. That what you depended on, you depend on no more. You depend now on Jesus. You depend upon Christ. So when we're following Jesus, it doesn't mean that, that we abandon our, our family and we forsake him and we don't see him no more. No, God uses us as agents of change, agents of grace in our family. So this is what we're seeing is that there was a new identity that they were taking upon themselves. Their life was now to be a disciple of Jesus. You see, let's say, for example, today. We can easily say, my life is to be a, a mechanic. But our occupation and our vocation does not define us. It doesn't make us who we are. It is because we are in fellowship with the Savior, following Jesus. That's what makes us who we are. And so, now that we are in union with Christ, we are in Christ, we are followers of Jesus we are identified with whom we follow. So now my life is no longer to, uh, uh, to be a mechanic. Now I can be a mechanic, but as a disciple of Jesus. So let, let's follow like this. My life is to be a follower of Jesus as I am a mechanic in the shop. My life is to be a follower of Jesus as I'm, I'm an architect in one of the buildings. That would be nice, huh? Like a little architect up there. Or my life to be a follower of Jesus as a doctor. You see, our vocation is just a mission field. It is an opportunity. That's all it is. When we look to our vocation to define us, oh, when we lose it, our world crumbles under us. But when we're looking to Jesus, whether we have our job or not, it will not cause our life to crumble because we know that our life is in the hands of the Lord. It's easier said than done, though, huh? Right? But if we never begin to exercise this truth in our life, how will we experience victory? So it is important. So we see here then, family, is that Jesus was inviting them to follow him too. And now what we see here in verse 23 is that they will become a foretaste of the coming kingdom. Because wherever Jesus was uh, walking through, uh, Jesus was the very, uh, bringing forth the very kingdom to the people. The very kingdom of God was, was coming to the people. And with him, the very nature of God was being made evident by the blessings that people were receiving. Look at what happens here in verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee. And he was teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Again, the word proclaim is where we get our word geruso from. Geruso Grace Church. Right, Brother Mo. Heralds of the good news. We're messengers of the good news. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the true king, which is Jesus. Inviting others to come and follow him. And so along with this message then came this, this foretaste of the kingdom. And look at what people were experiencing. 
healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Man, this good news was liberating people. People were experiencing the healing power of Jesus Christ. So to follow Jesus meant that you were a messenger of this good news, a herald of this good news, but you were also a blessing to others, a means by which mercy was being transferred to others. The way of the kingdom, bringing about mercy to the people. Family, where you're laying hands on people and you're praying for them. Sometimes we get a little scared of that and we, we kind of step back. But we see the empowerment of God upon his people. So we're praying over people. We're praying that the Lord will heal people. And we have uh, people in our congregation that have experienced the power of God's healing, both in the physical and in the spiritual Because the good news is accompanied with these good works that go along with it. And so what they're doing is is being uh, these agents of, of change in here. And they're going in here. And notice what happens next. And I love this part. Verse 24. Look, Look with me. It says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria. I love that. Let's pause for a moment. It says, his fame spread throughout all Syria. Was it the disciples' fame? No. It was Jesus' fame that spread out through all all Syria. So to be a a follower of Jesus means you're going to be spreading the fame of Jesus' name. To be a follower of Jesus means you're going to be making much of Jesus. So today, question, am I making much of Jesus in my life? And I don't mean that I'm screaming the name of of Jesus everywhere. What I am saying is your life being shaped by the gospel in such a way that your attitude is beginning to change, that your life is beginning to change. Now you're asking for forgiveness more than you used to. You're actually confessing more of your sins than you used to. You're going out of your way to show love more than you used to. There is a work of grace in your life. And others are seen. You're living your life in such a way that it demands a gospel explanation. That people are like, what's going on with you? let, Let me tell you about my Jesus. You know, I might not know the whole Bible, but I do know the author of the Bible. So let me tell you about him real quick. You see... There is an opportunity that God begins to give us all. So as they spend uh, time in in following Jesus, they they are now, the, the fame of Jesus is spreading. And so this is what I want us to be captured by family. That when we leave from here, that as we leave from here to follow Jesus, that you are a billboard for Christ. That you are a billboard that people see this billboard and they're like, oh, Jesus in that direction then. So is our life making much of Jesus, family? And I tell you uh, today that Christ is not calling us to this uh, perfect life that we got to put on display. People want to see, is it real? Man, do you struggle like I do? And if you do, how would you overcome it? Like these temptations that come, is it only me? 
Does no one else struggle like I do? Maybe I'm just one of those that it is too far from God. No. No one's too far from God. No one. That's the power of the grace of God to reach us wherever we're at and bring us unto himself. So now the disciples were brought in and they were following Jesus. They were seeing Jesus casting the net and capturing men. Jesus was fishing for men and the disciples were looking at what that was like. They were seeing that. And now after a period of time, after spending time with them in Matthew 28... Verse 18, can you turn with me there? Matthew 28, verse 18. So remember, they spend all this time walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, and look at what Jesus does. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's important. That's important to see because Jesus is Lord over the whole universe. There's not a square inch in this universe that does not belong to Jesus. He has full authority over everything. Therefore, Jesus is Lord. He is king and we are his workers. We are his laborers. And this is what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Because of this authority that has been given to me, now you go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make converts. He didn't say go and, and gather a few people here and, here and there. He said go and make disciples. It is essential for the church of God to be making disciples. He says, go and make disciples. The mission of the church is the same mission that Jesus had. The church is sent out into a spiritually broken world to proclaim the good news of redemption, of true hope, of the true life, of the only Savior, of the only way, which is through Jesus Christ. This is what we've been sent out to do. So just as God sent his son on this mission, Jesus now sends every believer on the same mission. So we respond to this calling. By following Jesus and becoming fishers of men. So to neglect the calling to make disciples, we stop being the church family. Ouch, right? But that's keeping it 100. That's what the scriptures teach. The church is called to make disciples. To make disciples. To be able to, to send believers in, in, in to the culture that they're in. And they can impact their culture with the gospel message. Where they're evangelizing the lost. Where they're teaching believers how to follow Jesus. How to apply the gospel to their lives. This is what they're seeing in their lives. And so today, our call in our lives, family, is to follow Jesus. 2016 is to ask yourself, what have I been following that is not Jesus? What have I been looking to for significance and worth? What have I been relying on to give me value and credibility. If it is not Jesus, then it's not worth it. It's Jesus that brings meaning and purpose to our life. So we gather here today to celebrate. 
following Jesus. So part of following Jesus is to a life of discipleship. Part of following Jesus is to be in community with other people. Part of following Jesus is allowing others into your life. It's okay if, if the room and the, and the kitchen are a little dirty. It's all right. We're still going to love one another? Like, for real. My baby knows, right, baby? Like, for real. So it's important, family. Following Jesus is to fulfill the mission that he's given us as a church to go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. When we see parts of what takes place in Acts. So what we find in the book of Acts is the church on mission, man. They, they out there, they're engaging the laws, they're engaging people. And then all of a sudden they stop Peter and they say, hey, w- wait a minute, Peter. You can't be talking the name of Jesus no more around here. People are going to get offended because we share Jesus with others. But that's where true hope is found in. True hope. Not the hope that the world offers, which it decays or falls apart or they pass away. But it is hope in Jesus. And so they said, hey, wait a minute, we're going to pray And they prayed for boldness. Boldness to continue, not being silent, but boldness to continue spreading the fame of Jesus. Family, let 2016 be that year that we give ourselves completely to the Savior. We say, it is all for you. It is all for you. So follow Jesus in your workplace, follow Jesus in your school, follow Jesus wherever you're at, is to follow Jesus. So let us close with this. Today you've heard God's call through God's word. The invitation is made. Follow Jesus. So today, that invitation is extended to you. If today you've seen that, hey, I haven't followed Jesus. I haven't given myself completely to him. The invitation is made to you today. It's not for a perfect life, family. Please. Man, that's a, a lie of the enemy that, that you, you, now you got to be perfect. No, there was a perfect sacrifice. That was Jesus. There's a perfect life. That is Jesus. You bring your dirty rags to the altar and you cling on to the cross. Give yourselves completely to him. Jesus doesn't promise us a perfect life. Jesus doesn't promise us peaches and cream. He doesn't promise us that you're going to have strawberries in your cheesecake. Because I love strawberry cheesecake. He doesn't promise us all those things. He says, in this life you will have tribulations. In this life you will have distress in this world. But take heart, my brothers and sisters, because I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame for us. So at the end of the day, our trust is in Jesus. So when we leave from here, what do we leave with? Jesus, family. I got to go all over again. It's with Jesus. So when we come out of these doors, we follow who? Jesus. Not, Not a building not the church because we're going to fail one another. We follow Jesus and we follow him hard. 2016, follow Jesus. Not an institution, 
Not a building, not this name, not nothing else, but to make Jesus known. Sparheads. Father, we thank you. We thank you for you sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come and live the life that we couldn't live and to come and die the death that we deserve to die. He took our place on the cross. And he satisfied your judgment. So we thank you today, Father God, for the work of Jesus Christ done in our behalf. That now we truly have been set free. And those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. No longer are we governed by our past failures. No longer are we uh, mastered by who we used to be. No longer are we shaped by the echoes of our past. We are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. So we pray today, God, that you would break through our hearts and that you would radically transform us, Lord. That when we hear this invitation to follow you, that we would be willing to let go of everything so that we can follow you. Lord, help us to make a difference in this world, in this life that you've given us, and the jobs that you've given us, and the schools that you've placed us in, around our friends and family that you have us with, God, that we would make a difference for our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has come and he has made a difference in our lives. So we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.